Gracious Lord, truly you have words of eternal life. Words not of burden, but spoken from your desire to give rest. To see your people take on the light burden and the easy yoke. So we pray, Lord, that you would open your word to us this morning. That we, Lord, would enter into your rest. Take my lips and speak through them. Take all of our minds and by your spirit think through them. Take our hearts and set them ablaze with love and with passion for you. It's in your name, Lord Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. You may go ahead and be seated. Well, this week, as we've been saying for a while now, the Hoskins are setting out for our first ministry sabbatical in 15 years of ordained ministry. But of course, the question begs, what is a sabbatical even? What is it meant to be? What is we supposed to be doing? And the word is related, of course, very obviously to the Old Testament word, Sabbath which is certainly a more familiar concept to us. Familiar, if not entirely known. Of course, even today, Jews the world over observe the Sabbath still very uh, diligently on the seventh day, one day in seven, to devote to rest when no work whatsoever can be done. Some here probably still remember laws and traditions in our own culture that tried once upon a time to enforce Sunday as a Christian Sabbath. As a child, I have very fond memories of visiting my grandparents in the summertime at their lake house in western Michigan. Fond memories, except for Sunday afternoons. Because after we all trudged off to church in the morning and came back, that was the one day where you had to sit and do nothing. When you asked my grandmother why we weren't allowed to swim or go out in the boat or fish or anything, she would say, well, it's the Sabbath. Apparently, God would frown upon, you know, the work of powerboating or water play. And so we had to do absolutely nothing. For the first six years or so of our life as a parish, we met at the BB Christian School a school associated with an entire tradition, the Seventh-day Adventist denomination, a tradition within Protestant Christianity given over to teetotaling, vegetarianism, and worshiping only on the seventh day. Slightly broad brushstrokes. But proof positive that a lot of confusion and variance of interpretation exists when it comes to understanding how we as the church of Jesus Christ understand and apply God's commandment to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So what is our understanding? Are we all wrong for being here this morning? Did we miss the boat because we didn't gather yesterday? Should you go home and do absolutely nothing this afternoon and bore your children to tears? What was the significance of the Sabbath, and what is its current and ongoing significance? And what in the world is a sabbatical? You still won't answer that question, Steve. These are some of the questions that I want to try to walk through this morning. Well, in our Old Testament reading, We heard God's words, his declaration of the Sabbath in the midst of the Ten Commandments. 
remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's the command of God, one command of the ten foundational tenets that would mark and distinguish and identify God's people. Indeed, keeping the Sabbath is to this day, as I've already alluded to, the very heart of Judaism. But why? What's the significance and what are the purposes of the Sabbath, even as the Jews observed it? Well, God points to it in our text. He points back to the creation account of Genesis because he says in that Exodus reading, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There's the explanation that God gives, pointing back. To understand the significance of Sabbath observance, God himself points back to his work of creation in Genesis. It's interesting, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it's the first place where the, the root word, Shabbat, from which we get Shabbat, Sabbath, it's the first place it occurs in the scriptures. We read, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested, Shabbat, on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God, Shabbat, rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, the translators of the ESV, the English Standard Version, which we use for our public reading, they went ahead and they sort of made a call and and tied that word, Shabbat, in with the rest of the trajectory of Scripture and described it as God resting from his work of creation. And there's something uh, to be learned, there's something to draw on from that nuance of understanding Shabbat and Sabbath as rest. We are finite as human beings. We cannot keep going indefinitely. Human beings are remarkable, don't get me wrong. I mean, I've read plenty of articles about ultra runners who will do things like run a 100-mile mountain trail race in 24 hours' time and just keep pressing on to the finish. Likewise, we probably all know people who work at their jobs pretty much seven days a week still manage to volunteer at this or that, have you know these side projects on the side, seem to be those kind of people that just need less sleep than the rest of humanity, right? And they just go, 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 right? But the reality is, those ultra runners, they pay the price for their big push. I mean, they spend a year or more preparing for it, and then they have to be very careful in recovery. They have to balance their diet and their, their workload accordingly, lest they actually start to experience things like major organ failure and that sort of thing, because their bodies, frankly, just weren't made to push for 100 miles without rest. Likewise, workaholics, their bodies, their souls often betray them with heart issues or digestive issues that can be directly linked to the fact that they have pushed their bodies and minds too far. 
Rest is necessary. And as Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for mankind, not the other way around. Meaning that there is a necessary good that we derive from observing it. We need it. We need rest. But rest is certainly by no means the only piece of what Sabbath means. God knows his people need rest. They need to break from the constant pressure to produce. But is that the reason? Is that reason enough to make Sabbath one of the ten most central pieces of what it means to be God's people in the Old Testament? Not in and of itself. Not by a long shot. There's more to Sabbath than simply enforced rest, Grandma. And it comes from understanding that word Shavat as not simply rest from work, but more broadly as ceasing, ceasing from work. The word Shavat that we encounter in Genesis 2, it, in its most basic sense, it means simply to cease, to stop. God had done the work of creation in six days, and so on the seventh day, he ceased. Grasping that root meaning actually helps our understanding tremendously. We come to understand that for the ancient people of God to observe the Sabbath then was not simply a call to rest as God had rested, but a call to cease as God had ceased. What do I mean by that? Well, think about it. God is infinite. He was not tired out after six days of creating. He did not need rest. Understanding God's Shabbat ceasing is tied concretely, rather, in Genesis to the completion of his work in creation. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he Shabbat, he ceased, because there's a clear connection to God's pronouncement of his creation as very good. Finishing or completing his work implies an element of perfection. And it's this perfection and completion that explains Sabbath ceasing to us. God ceased from his work because there was no more he needed to do. There was no more to be done. He couldn't make any improvement upon his creation. It was complete and perfect and very good. Coincidentally, that's why the number seven takes on so much symbolic significance throughout the scriptures. Because the seventh day, the number seven, becomes this symbol of completion, of perfection. God ceased. And some of you have heard me say before that God ceasing on the original Sabbath day reflects the traditions of the ancient kings coming into their rest it would be said, after conquering and making secure their boundaries and their borders, they would return to their capital and they would be enthroned. They would be seated upon their throne. That image of a king sitting on the throne, sitting is a resting position, right? It implied, I don't need to be standing because there's nothing that I need to be doing right now except for ruling my kingdom from this seat. God ceasing from labor on the seventh day of creation is a symbol of his kingly rule. He is seated in the heavenlies. 
The command then included in the covenant document of Israel that they too should reflect this cessation of labor one day in seven. It's meant as a reflection upon and an entering into the perfection of God's kingdom. To observe Sabbath then was to physically acknowledge with the rhythm of one's life, one's weekly practices, that God is still seated upon the throne. And that he rules the world according to his sovereign purpose. The Lord is king, let the earth rejoice, the psalmist says. That is the significance of Sabbath observance. Thus the people were not even to do the work of tending their lands or their animals. They were not even to prepare their food. You remember as they're wandering through the wilderness and and receiving manna from heaven, they received a double portion on Friday so that they would not have to even go out and gather it on Saturday. All of it a reflection on the reality that it is God alone who rules the created order. It is God who brings forth food in its due season. We can take our hands off the reins for one day, and the sun still rises, the crops still grow, the rain still comes or doesn't. There's still food in the storehouse. This was the heart of the Sabbath, acknowledging that God is God and we are not. He sits enthroned and rules the world even without our help. Imagine that. Well, that is certainly a purpose that we as the New Testament people of God could certainly still benefit from observing. Actually, both are purposes we could benefit from. We are just as finite and in need of rest as our ancient forebears, and we are certainly every bit as much, if not, frankly, more so, in need of the regular reminder that God is in charge and we are not. So what are we, the New Testament church's takeaways from understanding these Sabbath purposes? Well, back up, and we need to see and understand how this purpose of acknowledging God's kingly rule is ultimately fulfilled in the person, work, and kingly reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may recall during his earthly ministry, Jesus seemed to be constantly getting in trouble for breaking the Sabbath, right? Again and again, you know, one day his disciples and he are passing through grain fields and they're picking the heads of grain and eating them because they're hungry. And the Pharisees see it and they get mad at him. Same day, he actually then wanders into a synagogue and sees a man with a withered hand, says, hey, stretch out your hand, and he heals him, right? Which just, like, brings down the fire of the Pharisees upon him, right? Well, when he needs to respond to the Pharisees' indictment of his Sabbath-breaking, do you remember what he says? He's in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for mankind, not mankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus was boldly declaring the Sabbath was under his reign, not the other way around. He, in fact, was and is the self-same God that sat upon the throne after completing his work, original work of creation. 
And so all the purposes of Sabbath are found and fulfilled in Jesus, the King. Furthermore, in the New Testament, the author to the Hebrews talks about all this in Hebrews chapter 4. And he kind of concludes it this way. He says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. But the, that rest that he's linking to is actually God's grace. The grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through laying aside our striving and works of self-justification. And resting in the finished gospel work. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. From that passage, the author goes on to talk about Jesus as our great high priest who has made atonement for us so that we can now rest in him. He talks all about Jesus sitting down again at the right hand of God after his work of atonement. That's the rest that the author to the Hebrews is inviting the people of God to enter into. Ceasing from our own striving and resting in the promises of God, which are all yes and amen in Jesus. For the Christ follower, observing the Sabbath means resting in Jesus. Resting in Jesus. Now, there are certainly disciplines and practices that can help us with that. But this is why, as Christ followers, we are delivered from what Jesus, frankly, implied was a slavish observance of the ancient Sabbath practices. This is why we didn't miss the boat by not gathering yesterday, right? This is why I could have been swimming all those years in the sweltering August heat of Sunday afternoons in Michigan because Jesus fulfilled the law of the Sabbath and he invites us now to enter into the rest that he has won for us. But that's not to say that intervals of ceasing are not necessary for helping us enter and maintain that rest in Christ. We are still finite created beings that need physical rest. And as I've already said, let's be honest, in our contemporary society, we are programmed to be producers. And we run the risk, more than the slight risk, I should say, of forgetting that God is God and we are not. That the burden of producing doesn't actually lay squarely on our shoulders. Transformed by Christ, that's what a weekly day of of worship and rest can become. A day to step away from our Monday through Saturday labors, to focus on worship and recognize that it is God and God alone who is seated on the throne of the world and of our lives, and that we are not. Like so many other benefits we receive from our weekly worship, living in that Sabbath rest of the people of God is meant to extend into the remainder of our week as well. This is why the daily discipline of spending time with the Lord in the scriptures and in prayer is so critical. Because that can become a daily reminder that Jesus is enthroned above and I am not. When I am living in the hustle and bustle of the daily round, I can pause and I can remember that God is enthroned above and outside of it. 
but also that Jesus has entered into it so that by his grace, I can get through it while also maintaining perspective that my life doesn't need to be defined by it. My life is defined by something higher, something eternal, something larger than the daily grind. That is the daily discipline of entering into the rest of Christ. I'd encourage all of us as we enter into this long weekend Memorial Day, as we enter into this season of summer when you know, your employers give you your days off, when you take your vacations, it's important to remember and embrace and celebrate them as times of rest and refreshment. But in the midst, remember to keep striving to enter more fully into the gospel rest of Christ because that is what our earthly rest points us towards. So briefly then, I want to take a last couple of minutes to consider how we take all of this that we have learned and apply it to understanding the sabbatical season that we are about to enter into this summer. Because it has implications not just for me, but for us as a community. What is sabbatical? Still haven't answered that question, have I? Well, our diocese produced a document to answer that question. It defines it this way. A sabbatical is a planned period of time in which the pastor is granted leave away from his normal responsibilities in order to spend an extended period of time in rest, renewal, and refreshment. It is to be a time to receive spiritual nourishment, a change of perspective, to deepen the pastor's relationship with God, himself, and his family. It is to be a time of rest and cessation of his regular pastoral duties and activities. Sabbatical, this is important, sabbatical is not a time of withdrawing from relationship, but secession from the spiritual duties of priesthood. It's not a time of withdrawing from relationship. We've already been getting questions of, you know, is it okay if I send you an email to ask you out to lunch at some point over the course of the summer? Yes, please do. I love lunch, especially if you're by. You know, it does not mean don't invite us over for whatever. We would love to. I'll just say that right now. It doesn't mean you won't see us this summer because we will be doing some traveling, but we'll also be doing some worshiping right here, hopefully if Sarah lets me in that back pew somewhere. But Eugene Peterson, late pastor and and pastoral care thinker, he went on to call sabbatical a willed passivity in order to be restored to alert receptivity to spirit, prayer, silence, solitude, worship. All that is just to say, please understand that sabbatical came about not because poor Father Steve is tired. I mean, I am tired. I I am exhausted. The work of planting a church is hard work. Pastoring is hard work. Working and not being a deadbeat dad or an absentee husband is hard work. I am exhausted, but so are a lot of you. My job is hard, but I'm not going to stand here and pretend that it's any harder or or merits any special sympathy that many of your vocations don't merit as well. So while getting an extended time of rest and refreshment certainly presents as one of my felt needs when the diocese and then the uh, 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 vestry leadership suggested that it would be a good time for me to take a sabbatical, sabbatical's not about giving Father Steve an extended vacation. Understand that. 
Sabbatical is a sacred space. A time for me as a priest to refresh, refocus, and seek the Spirit's revival. To step back, reflect, and remember that I am first and foremost an adopted child of God. An heir in Christ of his eternal kingdom of priests. It's a sacred space to step into and say, these years of ministry have been in God's hands. And this next season of ministry will be in God's hands. So I can take my hand off the reins for a little while and let him run the world, run this church, even, dare I say it, run my life. It's a time to step into God's perfect work in Christ Jesus, to truly rest in his easy yoke and light burden. And it's a time to step back and watch this vineyard bear other fruit. In Leviticus chapter 25, God established the idea of a sabbatical year. That's where it came from. He says this, The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. You hear that? The land shall keep a Sabbath. Not just you every week, but your land. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you. All its yield shall be for food. The Lord has used that passage to speak to me over the last couple of weeks, especially as I've worked with the vestry, who's been working very hard, and the staff working very hard to prepare for this sabbatical season. Brothers and sisters, I have full and complete confidence that you are in for a season of fruitful growth. A season of fruitful growth during this sabbatical summer. The sabbatical of the land in Leviticus was an extension, as I've said, of that weekly Sabbath. It was meant to be a whole year devoted to the Lord, which also demonstrated to the people that they, while they may sow and water and reap in a normal year, it is always God who brings forth the growth. Likewise, in a similar way, in this season of sabbatical, I fully expect that God desires to demonstrate to us that while for the last 15 years I have been called to tend this vineyard and to sow and to water, it has been and always shall be the Lord, the Spirit of Almighty God that brings forth the increase in our lives and in our parish. And so, brothers and sisters, I trust that the Lord will bring forth fruit in your lives as you seek to recognize his lordship and rest in his finished, completed work through this season as well. Let's pray and ask him for the grace to live in that space. Gracious Lord, we praise you for these reminders in the midst of the rhythms of our lives, of these eternal realities. 
Thank you, Lord, for the way you can take a simple practice like taking a day and stopping and turn it into a way to touch your eternity, your lordship, your kingship, your completed work in our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I do pray for us all as we take those days allotted to us within our weeks, over our summer, over our years. Lord, would you by your spirit work the discipline of resting in the completed work of Christ. Work it into our souls, Lord. That is a thing only you can do. So to you, Lord, we pray. Our Lord, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.